0: Hello, hello, and welcome to a new episode of Ramblings from Two Meddling Kids. I'm Edward Hunt, joined by my co host, Mike Cunningham. And we are the Meddling Kids. And today, we'll be reviewing The Fifth Element. And the reason why is there's been wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oh, how do these reviews work? What does a zero mean? What does a five mean? Well, it's my birthday today, and y'all are about to hear what a five out of five movie is. And that is the perfection of The Fifth Element. <laughs> But, for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome, it's great to have you. For those of you coming back for another listen, thank you so much, good to see you again. What we like to do, as I said, is review movies. We'll never spoil anything in the first 15 minutes or so. We'll give you a spoiler-free review from 0 to 5, and then give you a little bit of background and some play-by-play for the movie. But, Mike, are you ready? I am. Alright, spoiler-free review of The Fifth Element, 0 to 5, what'd you give it?
1: Okay, so I can't give it a 5, because this is obviously yours. Um... I'll give it as close as I can—a three. No, 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 no. Give
0: <laughs> it what you feel it should have. <laughs> no, honestly, it's a
1: four, four and a half for me. I mean, I—I I realize like it holds a, it does hold a special place in my heart. I don't want to say it's the first sci-fi film I ever watched. I can't be right. I felt like that was Starship Troopers or some stupid shit. Um, but this one is just definitely a lot of fun. Like, yes. I think the. <laughs> so I was like, because I, I literally just finished watching it, as you called. But it was just like I'm thinking back to the the classic buddy cops of um, our time, mm-hmm. and it's obviously like Pacino and Slo- Pacino and um, uh, what's his name, Pacino and uh, uh De Niro, and oh, then yeah, yeah. It's Ruby Road and <laughs> Corbin. Dallas.
0: Ruby Road and Corbin
1: Dallas, baby. <laughs> Your top two buddy cops in a film, like it was just like I think this the casting of this was great. I won't get into like the like some of the special effects. Don't. Um, mm don't translate because i feel like they for the most part do there's some scenes that are a little a little sharp but Mm -hmm. i i I really usually especially since it's from the 90s anything from the 80s and 90s i literally give it fair dues because of the fact that they were using the technology of the time right Mm -hmm. um so just like i like i said i'm watching the film i think the the casting was great it was like it seemed like a very broad cast but for the most part it's 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 pretty um pretty centered. Not that many, but it was like everybody was cast perfectly. It was, like, funny. It was heartfelt. It's... The action is there. And, and I did realize it was like... It started out with action, and it was like... It leaned more into, like, the character building with um, Zorg and the the priest and Corbin and Lilu. Um And then it was like... It gets into the... Act- it ends with the action. So it was just like... Mm-hmm. I think it was well-paced in that way. Um, all in all, just a, a fun film from the 90s that, like, I feel like kind of still holds up. Um... I think that even the, the chemistry between both Corbin and Lily wasn't forced. Like, you can truly see it. Um, I don't I don't know. Yeah, so definitely a four and a half. This is one that I revisited since the first time I've seen it. I've definitely, at least, like, maybe once a year, once or two times a year. Sometimes when it was just like, uh, there's nothing to watch. Or if it comes on, like, since I have sling down, not cable. But it was just like, if I see it on, it's something I'll sit and watch, at you know, at any point. Because it's just like, it's just so much fun. Um, yeah. And I, like I said, I cannot cannot stress it up how much how annoying Rubio I was or like Chris Tucker, but it was just like he it was comedic perfection. It was like it was, just, it was just fucking amazing. Like we'll get into it, like certain scenes with him, but it was just like he was he was great too. So I think all in all, this movie this movie was uh, it it has uh, one of the highest honors for me. So four and a half.
0: Nice, all right. I, I truly wasn't sure. But I'm glad to see you're appreciating perfection. That's good. So for me, uh, in case you weren't sure, everybody, I'm giving this a five. I love this movie. Um, And so just a little bit of background, too, about like what a five is for kind of our show or in particular me. And I think Mike's on board with this, too. Uh, But a five is a movie where it's you love it, but you're also so biased for it that it's like you love it. But it might not really be quite as good as other movies. But since you love it so much, it's a five. And that's why I keep saying love it so much. Yeah, for me, I love The Fifth Element. I've seen it, I don't know how many times now. I've continued to watch it. I made sure to watch it again for the pod. Um, Yeah, I would say a couple times a year for sure. I grew up, my family and I, we watched it all the time. Whenever we have get-togethers too for the holidays, if we need something to do, we'll still put it on because we're like, hey, it's The Fifth Element. I can say basically the first like 20 minutes of that movie, I can kind of say every line. Uh, You know, it's just... I love this movie. Uh, but from a looking at it and the things I love about it, as Mike said, it's just so much fun. I think it's a very colorful cast of characters, but I think it's cast excellently. Everyone does a great job. Um, you have Bruce Willis as Corbin. He is the surly hero, former uh, you know military guy. Uh, Mila Jovovich is for perfection, too. And I know we're going to get into more background, so you're going to double hear this. Uh, but he is just, everyone does a phenomenal job. I think the editing is so good, and that's something that I really, when I was watching it this past time, of just looking at how scenes are coinciding, of you'll have three different things happening at mm-hmm. the same time, but uh, they are editing it and cutting to each of those three different things for different characters seamlessly, and it makes sense, and it's so good, even from a sex scene with Ruby Rod, to a serious scene <coughs> <act> of <coughs> George, no <laughs> it. <laughs> to a serious scene, with Zorg uh, reprimanding, uh, you know, his um, employee. Just across the board, it's great. It's and something that is so fun about it is it's a very different future than we've seen in other movies that I love. Is this is a colorful, eccentric, all over the place future, right? Like they they have wacky hairstyles, wacky clothes, and they're just kind of going for it. but yeah so
1: in that way i do dis like not disagree on your your rating but as far as its vision of the future i think it was a very 80s understanding or very like 80s, <laughs> 80s or 90 understanding i was going to get it t- into it during the um the review but it was just like at one point, the president says, "I'm I'm trying to protect me and the two billion people on the planet." I was like, "God yeah. damn!" <laughs> like then I saw the um, saw the how the cities were laid out, and I was like, "It makes sense now, fucking, because you have all this real estate on Earth, and what did they decide? We're going up. We're gonna- yeah. <laughs> so just, there's no ground, at least in the New York where uh, Corbin lives. It's just like it's up. Yeah, but it was. I think that's. It's very much, that's how so many other sci-fi movies that, like, predicted the future, whether it was 300, 400 years in the future. That's how they viewed the future. It was just, like, kind of, like, just columns of buildings. Everything was a skyscraper for the most part. Like, it's just people stacked on top of one another. I think they did the same thing in, like, Ready Player One. where It was just, like, everybody's on top of everybody.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, you see that. And yeah, because like you just kind of assume that humans were just going to pollute the crap out of the earth so much that that's what you have to do. That's the only option. But then you have all those other plants to live on as well. And also, and the final thing I'm going to say, too, is just like the lesson, you know, like love. That's what it's about, y'all. Just love. Just love your fellow humans and everything will work out okay. (laughs) So that is me. I'm giving it a five. I'm very happy to hear Mike gives it a four point five. Uh, but yeah, I think we very much love this movie. So if there is some chance you have not seen this movie yet, which actually is becoming more prevalent. I've, like, I have younger sisters. I made them watch it. Uh So background, my, I watched it a lot with my mom and my stepdad. My dad and my stepmom didn't really, I mean, they like it enough, I guess, but they don't watch it the same way. So I made my sisters watch it. They liked it. So the young people need to keep watching this movie, all right? There's lessons to be learned and things to enjoy. <laughs> but yeah. So, again, I give it a five. Mike gives it a four and a half. Let's get into some background. I did try not to take too much of Mike's Thunder with some of my casting. To <laughs> <added>. <laughs> All right,
1: so The Fifth Element was released on May 9th, 1997. The runtime was two hours and six minutes. The budget was uh, $93 million. It made uh, worldwide $263 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, so about three times its budget, which is really good. Rotten Tomatoes has the uh, critic score at a 71, but the audience score at a 86. So I think critics were very critical of, you know, at what critics do. But I think the audience was like, "No, nah, fuck that! This movie's amazing." Mm-hmm. Um, the genre is action, adventure, sci-fi. The director is Luke Besson, who prior to this had uh, directed uh, *Leon the Professional*, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't realize that. It's funny too because it was just like, as I'm doing research for this, it was like, "All right, I know this name, the the name of the director." I know he did this, but it was like for the most part I don't think he really had another big hit mm-hmm. until Valerian and even that one wasn't a bigger hit. Like that was like a a, a passion project of his that um it still had these elements these sci-fi elements in this world building, but it didn't really uh hit the masses I think the way that he wanted it to. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that for the most part he had like just this movie and Beyond the Professional. And then kind of was fairly quiet, for for the most part, for the rest of his career.
0: Oh, Lucy? That was that Scarlett Johansson movie, right? Yeah, that was another
1: one that was just like, I think, didn't hit as much. I mean, the biggest part was Scarlett Johansson, and what's his name? Uh, Morgan Freeman. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, so besides that. Yeah, Yeah. Valerian was like, the sci-fi effects were cool, but other than that, you know, I mean, also, because you take the source material, Valerian is just this huge comic, Mm -hmm. like, with so much lore. So to try and condense all of that into, like, a two-hour movie, it's always very hard. But, like, the effects of Valerian were cool, but that was about all Valerian mm-hmm. really had going for it, if I remember. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. So the, uh, the cast, yeah, Bruce Willis is Corbin Dallas. Um, just a background from – so this is 97, so around this time, obviously, I didn't realize – I did realize it, I guess, that Bruce Willis was an 80s movie star, right? Mm-hmm. So a decade, like a decade before, he had Die Hard, Look Who's Talking, and then The Last Boy Scout. I think right before this one came out was uh, Twelve Monkeys and Pulp Fiction, and like in '94. So he was on a bit, a bit of a run as an action star. Um, you have Mila Jovovich as Lilu, who surprisingly the only, the biggest thing she had done prior to this one in '97 was Dazed and Confused.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: then I think this movie gets her uh, Resident Evil a few years later.
0: Yeah, this kind of marks Mila Jovovich as, like, the the badass woman. Yeah, the action star.
1: Yeah. You have uh, Gary Oldman as Zorg. And before this, he was in Leon, the professional, uh, directed Mm -hmm. by Luc Besson, and uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Um, so he was establishing himself as somebody who I'll get in a fucked up costume. for,
0: for this <laughs> He's room. like, I will commit to my character. Said, if
1: Sam Jackson does the hair, I do the costumes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you have Ian Holm as, uh, the priest Cornelius, Chris Tucker as Ruby Rod. And th- before this, he had, had um, he was in Friday and Dead Presidents. So this okay. was a... I guess he was, he was on the rise, <laughs> if you will. Because <laughs> it had to be, I think, right before Rush Hour. <clears throat>
0: yeah, for sure. Because I would say even this, like, his character, Ruby Rod, and, like, that extra-ness, I mean, you yeah. see some of that in Rush Hour. Like, yeah,
1: like, uh, he was like that in, uh, what's his name, uh, Friday, uh, cool. Money Talks with, I don't know if you saw that one, with uh, Charlie Sheen. Um, and then, yeah, so he definitely had that, like, that just that character, that charisma. Um mm-hmm. And I think this movie just allowed him to take it to a a full
0: <laughs>
1: a full ten and it was just amazing. Uh Luke Perry as Billy, just a brief cameo. Uh Tiny Lister, also from Friday, actually, Debo, as the president, which I'm now that I know you played Debo, I think he just bullied his way into office.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> he did. I'm <laughs> president now, bitch. And he was like he was like All right, you got it. Alright.
0: He hit up Chris Tucker, and he's like, "Yo, what movie are you about to do next?" Because like, that's oh, no, a small little thing. He's like, "Nah, what movie are you about to do next?" And he just and worked his way in.
1: It the Night approach, if you will. So, was, exactly. Um Yeah. So that, those are the major, the major, um, uh, the cast members. And then the tagline for this is "It Must Be Found," with the S and must uh, replaced with a
0: five. Okay, and I love the helmet. That's a shit tagline. <laughs> I, I do not like that tagline. <laughs> Even when I saw it, I was like,
1: "You sure?" Like I looked underneath the webpage. Just,
0: that well, can't be nothing <laughs>
1: First draft. <Yeah.
0: laughs> uh, well, you know.
1: Background that I have for this one.
0: Yeah, uh, just some like general t- uh, trivia just about it as well. Um, the, you know, let's see. First and foremost. Uh, Gary Oldman's character Zorg and uh, Corbin Dallas, Bruce Wilson's character, they are never on screen together over this mm-hmm. entire movie. Like the yeah. entire time, they're acting in parallel and they never even interact with each other. They they know of each other's existence, but that's it. So that's like a really cool part where it's like you have these two very powerful actors who never have to even compete with all each other at all. They just have to focus on like blowing their screens out of the water because they're never with each other.
1: But in the in the uh, context of the film i think they weren't ne- they weren't really adversarial for the most part right Corbin was, kind was like of... Uh, um not that he he wasn't uh, like um a crucial part of his his story but it was just like he kind of fell into it um yeah. so the zorg's character never had really any beef with actually anybody for the most part he just <laughs>
0: Wanted what he wanted, right? Yeah. And whoever got in
1: his, way, he, he never took like a, a true hatred towards anybody, any adversary, or from his, from his side. Yeah. Sorry, going well,
0: I was just gonna say with that, I mean, like, well, Zorg is just a crazy motherfucker. Like, you know, yeah. just to go and be like, he's like, I want one thing, and that's me to come out on top, and fuck everyone else. That's all he cares about. Um, so that was cool. Um, there was a recent, well, I think it's 2014 there was an interview with gary oldman saying he did not like fifth element but he also kind of went really off the rails with that interview and said all kinds of crazy stuff about all kinds of things um but in other interviews he said he did enjoy it and kind of based his character off of like bugs bunny and some other people Mm -hmm. and then last bit of trivia i have with it was i'm blanking on it if I think of it while we're reviewing the movie, I'll say it then. But there could so be another
1: movies. trivia. I think Oldman, it was just like, how dare he come at this film when well, he did tiptoes? That's number one. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> number two, since I'm short, throwing shots. Uh, number two, that was something that said that um, the limp that he had, I think it, in the beginning of the movie, it started with his right leg and eventually it just shifted to his left leg. He forgot, even though he is very much a your character actor, I think yeah. he forgot which side... <laughs> so it's not something i've noticed recently because he i mean he has a bunch of scenes but not that many i think they they did a good job to space out uh how much screen time everybody got so that you truly you know felt these characters motivations and you know their backgrounds but it's not something that i noticed but it was something i did see in the trivia section uh, when i was doing the research that's what that's one i thought you were going to mention
0: yeah that's actually that's a great story yeah because it's so true yeah Because it's even like his limp is very pronounced in the beginning, even with that metallic clank. And then later it's there, but yet not in the same way for sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that is our background. So before we start getting to play by play of a movie, a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, what's up? Uh, Me as always. And it's my birthday as well today. So you should really listen. Uh, But again, my name is Edward Hunt. I'm an uh, agent on the Just Be team of Compass. We are all about finding where you're meant to be. Uh, we are in the DMV, that is DC, Maryland and Virginia. So if you have any questions uh, or want to hear about how the market is in your specific area, feel free to reach out any time. If you need any uh, contractors or handymen or you need some mortgage brokers, we can also connect you with some phenomenal people who will go above and beyond for you. Also a great thing about working with Compass is that we're a nationwide brokerage. So no matter where you are in the United States, feel free to reach out to me at any time and I can still connect you with another agent. For example, my parents actually, are looking at a place in Delaware and I'm not licensed in Delaware, but I was able to find them a great agent in Delaware and they're working with them now, things like that. Um, also, oh yeah, hunt comics. Um, officially we are moving on to printing. Uh, I got the confirmation from my printing, so we will be printing. And as soon as I get that printed, I'm going to be putting it on global comics as well. So that way everyone can read it. I just want to get, make sure I'm giving my Kickstarter backers the comic first, but yeah, those are a quick words from sponsors. Let's get into it. So fifth element, is a movie that takes place thousands of years before it's, So they say sci-fi, but really it's a BC movie, I think, actually. <laughs> right, Mike? Back me up on this there. Almost, almost. Oh, oh, <clears throat> ah, so close.
1: <laughs> but yeah. So we open with uh, an alien ship kind of in the Earth's atmosphere, and then we jump to uh, Earth. It's uh, 1914 in Egypt, mm-hmm. and there's a, this archaeologist. He's, like, studying um, some ruins in, an, in a pyramid, and you see, like, he has an assistant. I don't know if it's if uh, Billy was his assistant
0: or, like, bodyguard, because he was armed for whatever reason. <laughs> I'd say Billy was definitely, like, he was the professor, and that was his research working on it. So that was, like, the student working, like, probably a Ph.D. student.
1: Right? Okay. Yeah, like- teacher's are, teachers are or something. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, you have the archaeologist or the professor. Yeah, you're right. He did, did call him the professor. The professor, uh, Billy, his uh, assistant, and then... Um, I think they're using a bunch of the local little boys to hold up <clears throat> mirrors to shine light in the pyramid. And um, so you see this little boy who's clearly exhausted from holding up this mirror, so he constantly keeps getting yelled at. He's like, Aziz,
0: light! <laughs> That's the key from this scene is Aziz, light! <laughs> constantly.
1: <laughs> and so as a professor is researching this um, this ruin, you see like these hieroglyphs, and it was just like... Uh, there's an evil coming and the only way to defeat it you see like there see, he sees the four elements and then there's a fifth element um, in the in the middle and it's some man that kind of like the people are rejoicing to and eventually he creates this weapon like he's the key to this weapon to stop the evil right so he's reading this in the um in 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 the you know the hieroglyphs and as he's reading it there's a, a I guess a friar or a priest or yeah. something
0: like that Priest if some kind of priest or some yeah. yeah.
1: He notices that oh he's he's uh, discovering the truth. So he goes, I I need to stop him. So he poisons some water um, to try to um, to try to kill the professor before he com- comes across the truth of what you know, what he's discovering. Um, but as he's about to pour that's a, the um, so he offers him some water to celebrate, because the guy's like, oh, I'm going to be famous. This is like, mm-hmm. like nobody else has discovered this before. And right as he's about to take a sip of water, they're, t- they're cheersing. Um, the professor goes, we can't cheers to water. Get this shit out of <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so he has Billy go and get a glass, a bottle of wine or something like that. Yeah, um, so ahead. they can properly toast. Um, but as, as Billy's uh, getting, the, um, getting the wine, the professor goes back and looks at the um, looks at the hieroglyphs. And then we see that a, um, a spaceship has discreetly, uh, if I can say that, discreetly landed.
0: <laughs> that's so like this whole thing is like that scene. And just like when it flashes to the freaking spaceship hovering over a pyramid is just so awesome. Like it's like and I, so cool. <laughs> and like the sounds. Yeah, it's so. Awesome. so yeah, this is
1: where we get the last Aziz light because Aziz drops the drops the mirror again because he's passed out, and he says Aziz light, and then you see yeah. the light from this um, from the spaceship shine into the pyramid. And he was like, "That's better, thank you." <laughs> and then these aliens arrive. Do you know the name of them properly? It's like the I can't. I have it here, but I can't pronounce it. and I want to get it wrong. It's like Mondo Swanens or something.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. I can't fully pronounce it either. Yeah, it's gonna come with kind of Mondos. I work. Well, we just don't want to confuse them with the Mangalores. There's yes. the Mondo swans and the Mangalores or whatever. Yes. Yeah,
1: right. So the Mondos are, have arrived and um, the priest kind of greets them because he's obviously the keeper of the secret, like of the tomb or whatever. And he says, um, you know, he came close, but he didn't discover it. And then the the Mondo, the Mondo leader says, um, the stones aren't safe on Earth. We need to take them. And then um so the the uh professor actually notices the um the 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 aliens, right? This is fucking nineteen fourteen. And then he tries to have a brief conversation and they kinda just knock him out. And do they kill him or they just knock him out?
0: I'm pretty sure they just knock him out with like the little I okay. think. Pretty sure it's yeah. not but just to, like the fact that the professor's first words are Are you German? Like it's just <laughs> It does. I was just saying, like, I'm just gonna say now this scene does such a great job of like throwing in this epic sci fi with actual humor and like mm-hmm. the mystery of what's going on just blends very well together. So, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and so they knock out the professor and they open up, they use a key to open up the where the hieroglyph was. And it's this secret chamber that's holding uh, the these four stones. And then this big sarcophagus, which is the, the fifth element. And it was like, I, I'm doing this so much more now because of fucking family guy. But anytime they say the name of the movie in the movie, I was like, oh, oh, they said it. <laughs> 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 and so uh, <clears throat> the priest mentioned, like, so, the, yeah, the Mondo leader says, that, you know, we need to take this. Um, and the priest says, but what now if you take these if you take these stones, uh, how will the earth protect itself? And the mandalita says, in 300 years when the evil comes, we so we will also return in mm-hmm. order to protect, you know, return the stones and protect the earth. Um, and this is where we get, uh, what's his name, Billy, that has his pistol out and he, like, tries it because he sees that the professor is knocked out. He presumes that he's dead. And he goes to, like, um, he tells everybody to get back. You know, he's killed the professor. He's, like, freaking out. And the priest is telling him, it was, like, these people, like these aliens are with us. they're our friends, like what do you do when he tries to get him to lower the gun uh but- Lou, uh sorry, Billy's still freaking out. he falls back, trips, fires a few shots, and now like the um fucking temple of doom style
0: the um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the doors of the <laughs> oh the secret chamber are closing with what the with the Mondo leader inside, and um the priest is like, hurry up, you can still make it, you can still make it and the Mondo leader is just like um. My life doesn't matter. What matters is that you, you know, protect all life. So he gives him the key Mm -hmm. um, to the chamber and says that um, uh, continues um, passing down the knowledge to the other priests just like you until we return. And then so that's the priest promise that he will continue passing down this knowledge of the 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 elements and the coming evil and how to stop it. He promises that he'll do that until the Mondo's return. Um, And that's the opening scene. And uh, then we jump to I think it just says three hundred years later, mm-hmm. and it's like some outpost, like some a um, uh, federated territories outpost outside of Earth. They notice some entity or something like um, growing and is approaching Earth. Um, so they go to they just send a probe initially, and they're, they're I think this is the military they're sending a probe. There they have a call on the call with the. Um, the president, president, sorry, of the Federated Territories kind of, you know, seeking advice, uh, give, getting the go ahead from him to on, on what to do. So they send a probe and as they're sending the probe waiting for uh, confirmation on whether this thing is evil or not, um, we see that the president also has an advisor who is the current priest uh, in Vito Cornelius. And he's trying to he's trying to tell them that like this, you know, this isn't a good idea or anything like that, but president isn't listening. He has his uh, military fire rockets at this thing, and they notice that as, after they first probe, the the uh, entity has a, uh, it, like, it hardens its outer shell, kind of atis- anticipating the attack. Mm-hmm. And initially, the president says, I have doubts. Then his general says, well, I don't. And he yeah. fires. <laughs> he fires. Yeah,
0: the president says, I have a daughter. Yeah, the president's like, I have a daughter, or something like that. And then the uh, general. Like,
1: I have doubts.
0: I I pretty I I thought it was I have a daughter. I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> I said, well, walk, me, walk me through. Which is because like he's saying that he's like you know he doesn't want an incident. He doesn't want this to be a whole big thing. Mm-hmm. And then he's like telling to the because uh, the, the general's just like I like to shoot first, ask questions later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just kind of go. But yeah, but yeah. Either way, I'm just like the president's like I don't know about all this, and the general's like fuck it, we're going to blow it up, Mr. President. I got this shit.
1: So he, he fires. Yeah, the general shit. fires three rockets at the at the entity. And it nothing happened. It kind of grows a bit, and then the president is like, uh, "General, what happened? What happened?" He was like, "Did you destroy it?" He was like, "Not yet, sir." So he fires a few more, and nothing happened. You just see that the entity is growing because that's something that uh, the, the priest had said. He said, um, "Evil begets only begets evil, or something along those lines." Basically saying that if you attack it, that's what it wants. It'll it'll grow it'll grow stronger and bigger. And after he fires that second round of missiles. Um, Communications kind of cut off because you see that the entity is now controlling everybody on the, on this um, the, whatever outpost or whatever that the military is on, mm. and like you see like a trickle of blood uh, running down his head, which is a sign that the entity is like controlling you. So I guess he's speaking to them or saying something, but you just can't tell. Yeah. Uh, and now we know that this, you know, this um, entity is hostile. Um, and i think veto i think it oh you know it then it jumps after after yeah, we get that it
0: like that fiery skull yeah exposed to a fire that's how you know it's evil something exposed to a fiery skull Saperon, right? Boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and then we jumped and we meet corbin Dallas quickly um and like he's you know he wakes up in his apartment uh we get bits of exposition we get a bit a kind of bit of this world that we're in because right up up until now we haven't seen right we've seen egypt in the 1900s um which is fairly you know in that time modern even though they did they did experience aliens and thought nothing of it um (laughs) we jumped 300 years later but we still haven't seen how the world exists um in this time so i think he's living in like new york or some shit like that um brooklyn Yeah, we see his apartment, and I thought this was really. Once again, it is always interesting to see how um, directors or who like storytellers, creators, like how they see how they think the world is going to be in the future. So it's like you see his apartment; everything is like it's it's a one not not even one bedroom. It is like a dorm room at best. Um, Everything is kind of compact and fits into one another. Like his bed slides underneath. Like the a shelf his shower turns into his. uh, his closet or something like that like everything yeah, kind fridge. of yeah yeah um so i thought that was like kind of really cool to introduce the world uh he um gets a call from the general or something like that and this is where That's you get the
0: first, it's uh he calls him finger fingers like one of his old buddies uh, the yeah yeah buddies. fingers telling him to bring his cab in you know, okay sort of like, okay, okay.
1: so it's his he's boss there. from the cab company sorry i just i was i couldn't figure out why he was mentioning his um military service they like
0: um, serve together, so like okay. a guy. yeah, Finger. that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, so he, um, yeah, he gets a call from his boss who he had served with. So he, they mentioned that he's, you know, he's been out of the military for six months. Um, he mentioned that he's a bad driver because he doesn't have that many points left on his license. Uh, his wife left him, you know, just yeah. a bunch of ass with his...
0: Bam, bam, bam. Yeah.
1: You know about this guy. And then what, the funniest thing to me was, like, uh, he goes to open his door. So, like, there's a, a monitor right at your door to let you know who... Like, there's a camera, you know, right outside the door. And so he opens... He looks at the monitor, and it's clear. It's just the hallway. Nobody's outside. And he opens his door, and there's some guy with a gun and a helmet with a picture of his hallway... <laughs> Yeah. And, and he's like shaking, and I was like, I couldn't tell what this was meant to be because I kind of forgot about it until I rewatched it today. So can you walk me through? Was he just a junkie robbing people door to door, like, or was it his neighbor? Like, yeah. I don't.
0: Yeah, I, this was definitely just some junkie that was just robbing people, and that was like, you know, how you know it's happened before. This is what he got. So it's yeah, dude has his like little hat on, which just looks like the empty hallway, so he can just go down the hallway robbing people like this. And he's clearly some kind of junked out tweaker because he's like, yeah. <laughs> and then And this is like, so just with what you're talking, so everything Mike was saying, it just makes Corbin kind of look like a little bit like a down and out Kind of mm-hmm. you're a bit of a loser now at this point in time. He's just, like, trying to figure his life out, whatever. And then you have this scene, which is hysterical, and just shows Corbett. No, no, he's still a badass. Like, he's got a gun in his face. Some yeah, he's, like, like still trying to
1: come. He's, like, helping the guy <laughs> rob him in a way. Because he was like, you <laughs> hit the button, the, the safety's still
0: yeah. on guy. What are you doing? Yeah, well, that button was the deactivation switch. And he yeah, I know, yeah.
1: <laughs> also, we're talking about like uh, giving the backstory to Corbin, not only as a character but his military background. He like, uh, or this has happened before. He hits a button like near his door, and it was just like it's just a, a, a another closet full of guns because obviously this has happened. Before. <laughs> so he's <laughs> just collecting weapons. <laughs> So he he points a gun at the guy and says, "That's a really nice gun." So, not really nice gun. So the guy gives him the gun. He puts it in his little cabinet and sends him on his way.
0: And then. I mean, uh give like, okay, just with it's like oh that nice little dance you know he's like that's that's a very nice hat and like bruce willis i think he lo- he he's pretty sure he lost character at this like he was just laughing because how ridiculous it was but it mm-hmm. fits the movie so well and then the tweaker he just starts doing that little dance and he's like clapping <laughs> his hands down, like bro what <laughs> so yeah
1: <laughs> but yeah so yeah now we've met we've met corbin like our main character uh, i think he goes off to work and then uh, what happens, then we jump back to the, the president and the priest, and they're kind of debriefing after the attack of the entity, and the priest is trying to explain to them all the knowledge that he's learned, that has been passed down to him for the past X amount of years, and um, he says, you know, that the entity um, comes to destroy, to just destroy life, doesn't want money or power or anything like that, it just comes to destroy life, and the only way to stop it is to uh, get these Stones from the the mondos um, when they return, and then at that moment you see that the mondos have returned like they said they would when the evil, you know when the evil returned, um, so the president grants them um, permission to you know to fly into like earth 's atmosphere so they can deliver the stones and ultimately save the world. Uh, but as they are arriving, they get ambushed by the mangalores right. Um, yeah, so the ship gets ambushed, and now the priest and the, the world seem like, oh, and the president are like, just at a loss. He was like, how do you stop? This thing can't be stopped by the modern weapons that we tried. So now how do we stop it? And um, I think, hold on one second, one second, one second. Okay. Right. So the Mangalores
0: okay. come to destroy the ship, but yeah. they're able to recover the gauntlet of the fifth element. Yeah, so yeah, yeah.
1: So after the Mangalores destroy the ship, they call Zorg... And they tell him, like we, if the deed is done, you'll have a, your shipment within within a few hours right and he says, "Meet me at my warehouse and then so that's the Mangalores. and then the military uh, say that you know every no there was no survivors except for one there was a a body in a sarcophagus, and so they bring the sarcophagus that we saw earlier and when the uh, Mangalores are taken away from the temple. Um, just the hand is left from yeah. from the sarcophagus but they're able through just a bit of DNA they're able to recreate it and I think this is one of the cooler scenes like I was saying I think it's a little sharp the CGI a bit um, as far as like uh, you really telling that it's not you know obviously not real but it was just like a really cool scene to see them recreate the DNA based on the, the hand from the sarcophagus um, and so they recreate the fifth element they think they thought it was going to be a man It's a woman uh and so (laughs) and so they they recreate uh the fifth element uh they wake her up and she starts speaking in the ancient tongue they can't really talk to her Mm -hmm. and so the military the head of the military is like uh, since you know he said is this the chamber safe and so he goes in with his key card and says says to the fifth element excuse me um, that if she wants out, she's gonna have to learn how to she basically learn English, learn how to cooperate.
0: it's <laughs> <is> just ridiculous. <laughs> she's like, okay.
1: <laughs> and then this is where you see that kind of like, oh, this is a badass, oh, like off the mm-hmm. bat. So she like she stops mumbling in the language and just stares him directly in the eye. And notices because he had waved his key card, so she's like processing very quickly <laughs> what she needs to do, <laughs> and she just punches through the glass, punches him in his gut, takes his key card gets out of the, the little hyperbaric chamber that they had her in. Um, and then you see her once again just processing very quickly what she, like, to escape. Mm-hmm. And she just jumps out of the lab into the through ventilation
0: the <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it was, like, fucking aluminum foil, but, you know, yeah. see, you know, what that, it <laughs> is. That's just how strong she is. She's says she aluminum, a metal wall. <laughs> <you> know, but, <laughs>
1: but, yeah, so she's escaping through the... Um, through the ventilation systems or whatever she, and then, so she makes it out of the vent and then we finally get to see more of the world, right? So it's like, she's standing on a ledge and like, you just see, it's just like skyscrapers and like towering in this city. And you had the hover cars, everything flying around. Um, and it was like very cool for the audience but overwhelming for her because of the fact that like she hasn't seen anything like she's never been outside of the sarcophagus but it was just like really cool um, to see to see the world right and like I said earlier it was just like this is very much how most 80s and 90, early 90s movies depicted the future it was just like hover cars boom okay back to the future said it uh, yeah. <laughs> so, hover cars all day and then like skyscrapers to the moon baby because <laughs> we're going up 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 or at least in Demolition Man, they were living in the sores, but that was a whole class thing.
0: Yeah, that's different,
1: yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the fifth element, uh, the cops are trying to get her to come back into the building. She refuses to, so she walks around um, and just decides to kind of take a leap. So she jumps off the building um, and lands in uh, Corbin's taxi. And the first thing you hear is like because he has like an onboard computer uh, and. Um, he has it over a computer and it says, uh, "Oh, you've been in an accident. That's a uh, you have one more point in your license. It cost him four points just yeah. being in an accident." Um, and then he starts kind of swerving. He kind of gets control of the car and parks. And then he says, is "Anybody alive?" And then we see Lulu pop up and she starts talking in you know the ancient language. He can't. He's in, but she mentions the big bada boom, and it was like this is where I. Liked. It was just like. Just starting off from that first meeting it was that chemistry between them even though they couldn't even speak the same language but it was just yeah. like I don't know if it was the actors the characters whatever it was but it was just like they just very much they drew you into this like um, this kind of I guess meet cute or just this meeting because mm-hmm. um, fucking Corbin is just like, st- like awestruck by this woman um, and so they get uh, as he's talking to her she's trying to explain to him like what's coming like her purpose and stuff like that but she can't speak English yet and so, as they're sitting there, uh, they get uh, the cops come and like uh, tell him to you know comply. There's a you've been in an accident. There's an escapee in your car. We need you to we need your help to uh, capture her. And so he stops his car, opens the door for them. Excuse me. They attach this uh this line um, in order so to to I guess to get her from the. Excuse me, from their car to his, and as this is happening, he's just telling her, "He's like, bro, I got one point left on my license. I got to get the car back to the garage. Like, I, I really, I can't help you. I, 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 just can't." And she's looking around, and you see her just frantic. And and behind his seat, there's a um a picture of a child who's you know lost and scared, and it just says, "Please help with a number to call." And so like she starts reading it, like just desperately, just saying, "Please help!" Like uh, muttering at first. But then she says, "Please help! Please help!" And she starts crying, and I think that just gets to him. So it's like right as the cops are about to hop over to his car to collect her, he just <laughs> he just drops off. Um, and this is um, once again cool scene, like the um, so he uh, he breaks the the whatever uh, like tassel or whatever that was um, uh, attached to his car, and then like. They uh they chase him for a bit and then they stop and he goes, you know, if they don't chase you for after a mile then you're good. But then he ran into another uh pair of cops at like at a McDonalds <laughs> And I think that just pissed that guy. Off. So he was like, Oh no, no, we're chasing you until we catch you
0: <laughs> Yeah, he's like, no, no, we're, we're going to get you.
1: <laughs> and so they're, he, they're chasing him through the city and, like, through different, like, just parts of the city. And it was just cool. To, like I said, it was just cool to see this world. And then he starts diving down and he goes, if we get to the fog, which is the literally the bottom of the city, uh, if we get to the fog, we'll be safe. And so you just see him maneuvering through everything. Um, he makes it, they make it to the fog and they're able to lose the cops. Yeah. And then uh, as, as, you know, once they're safe, he sees that because Lilu was not strapped in in the back. So I think that was another funny <laughs> scene because, like, since it's a hover car, it can go in all directions. Right. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. Lilu is just literally loose in his back, seat, just, just
0: like, Bouncing all over the place. ceiling, more. <laughs> don't
1: matter. <laughs> was like, I think that's what you're saying. It was like it did balance action and comedy very well. Just even through line deliveries, through um, physical comedies or whatever it was, it was like everything was just, like, perfect. Mm -hmm. And so, like, he sees that she's kind of passed out in the back, so he goes to see her, kind of wakes her up, and she mentions that she needs to see Cornelius. He's a priest. And she was like, no, you need to see it. He was like, you need to see a doctor. He was like, no, 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 the priest. And so they look up uh, Vito Cornelius, um, and they find him, because the president had sent him home after... uh, after, um, what happened? Oh, after the the issue with the, um, the issue with the the entity it sent Cornelius home. And so, and so, uh, Corbin brings Leeloo to Cornelius. Um, he sees that there's a tattoo of the four elements on her wrist. And he notices, he recognizes who it is. It is the fifth element. And so, um... He goes to, like, so like uh, first of all, he passes out. Corbin wakes him up. And then he goes to kind of get dressed in the official priest garb. And he tells Corbin to wake uh, Lilu up. And this is where it was just like, come on, Corbin, what are you doing? So he's like, he tried to, like, lightly wake her up or whatever. And she doesn't respond. So he kisses her. And immediately um, she puts a gun through his head. He was like, oh, I oh, saw that coming. Yep, and I was, done
0: that.
1: Yeah. And as I'm watching, I was like, exactly, you creep. There's only two proper ways to wake somebody up. And that is with a harp and fucking woodland critters <laughs> and other sounds. Or you are smacking in the face and say, Hey,
0: Hey, you. <laughs> only, only, two. Only, two. <laughs> only two things. Sexual <laughs> assault is not the one, dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you he saw Sleeping Beauty recently or you know, yeah. Snow White or any of the other he was raised on beauty. That's why they're remaking it. It makes sense yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: but yeah, so he wakes her up no, so she wakes up with a gun to his head, he kinda backs off and then like she starts talking and she finds out he asks her. Her name, and she said this long one thing in the ancient language. And he was like, What if we could just, it was like fucking Chewbacca. He was like, What if we could just, you know, short, you go by a nickname or something. Yeah. <laughs> and she says that her name is lilu yeah. And um the priest comes out, he has a garb on, so she recognizes that she's where she needs to be. And so they kick uh Corbin out, and um, he goes, I think, yeah, he goes back home. And you see him like a fucking t- a schoolboy, like he's like smitten over his leg. Like his uh, his boss calls him again to say, "Where the fuck is the cab?" And he's just like, "Oh my god, I met this girl. She's five nine, pretty eyes." <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, like, at the same time, we see, um, yeah. So he's at his house, uh, like thinking about Leelu. Um She's uh, at uh, Cornelius's, kind of learning about the history of the world. And then we also see that Zerg. Now we finally get to properly meet Zerg, uh, sorry Zorg or whatever. Um, and he is the uh, Mangalores have delivered the uh, the box from the the crash ship, right? And in exchange, he was giving them weapons. And I thought this was cool as shit. Too. Once again, I think it is the the how people see the future. So it's like he's a I don't know if he's a weapons manufacturer. I, it just says industrialist. So I think he kind of does everything. Yeah, he does it all, yeah. and so but he promised them four crates for the four stones from the from the wreckage, and uh, so he's showing off the weapon, the gun, and it was just like it has like flamethrower and rocket launchers. It has like the with the replay bullets, where it's like mm-hmm. the first thing you shoot at, it they all return to that same spot. Like it was a cool ass gun, yeah. and then he goes the so he you know he goes to give them their weapon their weapons, and then he they give him the the crate or whatever and it's empty and then Actually,
0: i think yeah so this was talking about the editing so what wow, that's up, happening done, was they did the whole time. it
1: was like it was like the, he's you see them the stone you see the person with the stones and then you see lilu telling that it was a it was a trick they had separated the fifth element and the stones because they didn't trust the earthlings and so Lilu was supposed to get to Earth and then meet up with the person who has the stones. And so she's searching. As she's learning about the history, she's also searching for the address so that they can go find the person with the stones. And so yeah. Zerg is, like, pissed off, obviously. He was like, well, you didn't deliver the stones, so I'm not giving you the crates. And the uh, Mangalore is obviously being soldiers. And <laughs> it was just like, yeah. we almost died getting this. So we think we should still be compensated. So Zerg leaves him one one crate of weapons or whatever, and then he just walks away. And then there's another cool thing, which is like, you can see how calculated he is. And he's just like, mm-hmm. the one. that's how you know, a, a killer between like a soldier, right? He was like a soldier. Yeah, a
0: warrior like, versus a killer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he was like, a killer would have seen the gun and asked what the red button does. Because <laughs> you want to know exactly... <laughs> Because it's not just a regular handgun, obviously. So it's just like, we need to know exactly all the functionalities of this gun, but a, a warrior isn't going to think that. He's going to see a new weapon and go play with it. And so we see... And I think this is... it. It The movie properly balanced slapstick with severity, right? So it was like, obviously these are, like, the Mangalores are terrifying to look at. Um, yeah. They're, like, hulking, they're huge, and they're, they're scary, but it was just like, they still had a bit of, like, um, like, they were, like, applauding, like... <laughs> watching <laughs> the gun demonstration, so it was just like, it had a, the perfect balance of being frightening but also kind of juvenile in a way right, it, it didn't lean too heavy into one or the other, it was like a perfect balance, because you see them playing around with the guns and so like, they're getting caught in the net and shit, <laughs> playing with the guns yeah. and then one of them hits the red button which is basically a self-destruct, which who the fuck needs that, I feel like that's just a, a movie thing, or like, <laughs> like I mean, some shit.
0: You press a red button, it counts to five, you chuck your gun, big explosion, you get out of there. I'm cool with that. That's I feel like that's
1: every, every movie was just like some base has some self-destruct sequence. Like, what do we do? We can't just hit a control, delete, you know, just keep it moving. Yeah. Why don't we fifty seconds to get out of the building because somebody accidentally hit a button. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So now the uh, Zozorg... Uh, yeah, he kind of sabotages the the Mangalores because they didn't deliver the stones. So he's like, now go get um, the priest. And so he sends his men to go get uh, Cornelius. And it was I love this scene between them talking about the fact that uh, Bruce Willis and Gary Oldman never got to be on the same scene. I did love Ian Holm and the Gary Oldman okay. uh, confrontation. It was just amazing. So it's like he go he sends off for uh, Zork sends off for Cornelius. He arrives in his um his office and you've seen that they've met before He like, he called him the art dealer or something like that. So I think obviously Zorg was inquiring about the the stones at some point. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, Zorg gives this speech about how, um, you know, uh, Cornelius uh, says that he just wants destruction, but he says within destruction becomes, comes peace in a way. I mean, you know, you're the your classic villain logic, um,
0: he's like, if I blow it up, everyone's gonna have to fix it, and I'm making yeah. jobs, so I should be allowed to blow up whatever the fuck I want to blow up. <laughs> That's Zorg's logic right there. Yeah, so he's
1: giving this whole thing about like how like within chaos, everybody gets um, a purpose in a way, mm-hmm. right? And then so like he goes to uh, there's like fruit on his on the table. He goes to eat a cherry. And starts choking on the pit. <laughs> right. And this is what I love. This so like once again, Zorg is terrifying. You know that he's a killer, doesn't give a fuck about human life. But then, like in this moment, he's like you know fighting for his life. He's choking, and Ian Holm or Cornelius goes, "Um, oh, you don't have a button to bring the uh, the uh, robot to patch it back." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just you know,
0: yeah. he's totally talking shit while this man's choking. He's like, "Oh right, yeah, where's the robot?" It's to the, patch it's
1: so it was so fucking funny to see. And they're like, yeah. so he's just like. Pats him on the back. Saves his life. And Zurich uh, goes, uh, because you saved my life, I'll spare yours. Because Ian, uh, sorry, Cornelius said he didn't know where the stone, stones were. And so I think this is where they, really briefly, they do every now and then again, they jump back to the, the entity and what's going on with the president and stuff like that. And so one of Zorak's men, and this is... I don't know if it was the limitations of the 90s or limitations what? of... Uh, <laughs> The director's imagination. But one of Zorg's men, I don't know his name, but his, his head guy um infiltrates the president's uh like war room meeting to figure out what to do next, right? Because he Zorg told him find the stones, you have an hour or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so he's in some like the the henchman is in some room controlling uh the his robot or something like that with a camera. So he's like walking through the war room, he climbs on the table and you hear that
0: um, He's controlling a roach. Oh, yeah, it's like Build up yeah,
1: to it. That's what pissed me off. It was the fact that you see him controlling something. It's a fucking live roach with a camera on his back, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me?
0: <laughs> I mean, heck, you know.
1: <laughs> All the technology <laughs> so in this fucking movie, and it's a roach with a fucking camera on
0: it. <laughs> Simple's best sometimes. Right? sometimes Simple's <laughs> best anyway. But,
1: this um, We find that the the Mondos were obviously, uh, and the, the president finds out what Cornelius had found out. It was just like, there's a contact that has the, um, excuse me, that has the four stones. They're going to be on some, like, paradise. Uh, I, uh, Lost count- in
0: paradise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um, so they're going to have one of the military men go in. To meet the contact to get the stones because Cornelius, Cornelius has said earlier in the movie they have forty eight hours before the entity became came to full power and destroyed everything, so obviously we 're on a, a ticking uh, uh, time clock, so they're going they decide to hire um, what 's his name uh, Corbin as the agent to go meet up with the contact, so in order to do that there is a contest <laughs> or whatever. Um, that they, that the military rigged so that Corbin could win. Cause it's the easiest way to get him on the, <clears throat> excuse me, on the flight to, is it Floss in paradise? Because yeah. Cornelius is a uh, apprentice of, you know, said early in the movie that all oh, the it's, uh, there's some concert going on tonight. So the flights have been booked for months and there's no way to get, you know, there's because of all the celebrities, there's no hotel rooms. There's no way to get on, on to the, to the planet. So uh then we jump now we found out that uh what's his name? And now everybody knows that Corbin is the winner, right? So it's just like yeah. um we jump back to Corbin but Corbin has no idea. So first he's he's having a conversation with um the Chinese guy at his window. He's like having lunch or whatever, talking about how bad it, you know, bad things are going. And the Chinese guy goes, um, well, you know, there's, it doesn't rain every day. There's always going to be uh, some sunshine. And then he gets a letter, right? And, um, Corbin doesn't want to read his mail, right? Because he was like, I've had enough bad news for the day. And the Chinese guy goes, I bet you it's good news. And he was like, I bet, I bet your lunch. Yeah. <laughs> he, he opens a letter and it says, You are fired. And he was like, Look, eat the lunch.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Corbin's like, Well, at least I got free lunch from him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so, uh, what, what happens? So a bunch happens, but basically everybody's trying to uh, get, the tickets. get the tickets, right? So first he gets a call from his mom saying, you know, you got to take me. Like, you won this. Uh, they've been calling your name on the radio for, for hours or whatever. Like, you have to take me on this trip. And he's like, Mom, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And then he gets a letter, but he doesn't want to open it because the last one he opened it, he just got fired. And so there's a knock at the door. And it is the military guy from the president and two of his uh, two other soldiers saying that he won the. They need to go, him to go on a mission. He won the the contest, and they need him to go uh, with one of their agents to collect the stones from the contact. Yeah. And I mean, as just
0: from like the humor part here too, it's just like it's funny because like literally he does that, and then um, the general he's like I am not going. And the general guy like looks at the woman up and down. He's like Why not? Why wouldn't you go with? <laughs> he's like, "This will be your wife," and he's like, "Corbin's like, I'm not going." And he's like, "Is it? Is it her? Why? You should go." <laughs> Dumb shit, man. Yeah. Well, so, uh,
1: as the three soldiers are in his apartment, he gets a knock at the door, and it's um, Lelu And obviously, we had said before, like once he got home, he was just uh, infatuated with this woman. So the fact okay. that she's at the door, he was, like, "Oh, this must be fate." So he stuffs, um, <laughs> he stuffs the three soldiers into his fridge and then to hide them away because he's like, oh, that's my new wife. She doesn't like the military. It's some stupid shit. Just thinking on the street trying to figure out how to get them out of there. But so he opens his door because once again, we see the little monitor so he can see his front door. As soon as he opens the door, we see Cornelius jump out because he was using Lulu as a as, as a decoy. And he was like, I'm sorry about this, but we need to steal those tickets to get to Floss in Paradise because he knows as well that the contact is going to be there. And so... Uh, at first, um, you know, so he's going to try to steal the tickets, but then we get, uh, the cops, uh, invade the building because of the fact that, uh, Zorg's right-hand man had found out about, uh, Corbin winning the tickets. So in order for him to get to, cause now Zorg knows as well that the, everybody knows where the fucking contact is going to be. So now they're trying to sabotage Corbin and get there. And so like, uh, Zorg's man had accused um Cor- Corbin of drug dealing, so the cops are there to apprehend him. But uh what's his name? The pri- I think the priest had moved his uh his door name tag down, a few doors down. So it was just like he hides the priest away because the cops are there. He hides Lelo away because the cops are there. And um he puts his hands on the wall so then they can see through the wall to who it is, but they don't know exactly who it is because his name isn't on the door, but they go to the they go to where the priest put the name tag. Mm-hmm. And um his uh, his neighbor was like, Fuck you and he was like yeah, wrong
0: <laughs> And they just bag that dude and <laughs> they're all struggling, they're just breaking him out. Yeah. Now, now they
1: think that they have Corbin, but they don't. Uh the priest knocks Corbin out once he gets out of the um out, out of his hiding place, takes the tickets, um, and then um and then leaves with Lelou so that they can go to the airport. And so now we just they get a uh, Corbin you know wakes up takes the assignment from his, his, uh, his uh, from the general or whatever they got from the military because they're still like frozen in the fridge now yeah
0: they're frozen in the fridge and he's like I'll do the mission and then closes yeah. them back in the fridge
1: <laughs> and so now there's a race at the airport and this is like really fun but it was just like just to cut it's very fast so first um, David the apprentice the priest apprentice and Lilu get there and they're going to um pretend to everybody's gonna pretend to be Corbin to get on the plane, right? Yeah. So first is David and Lelou and Le, this is where you get Lelou Dally multipass because they get they yeah. finally give her a um an ID and she but she still can't speak the language, but she can say multipass and her name. Yeah. And so David uh David and Lelou go to check in, but as they check in, Corbin arrives <laughs> like mushes <laughs> him away. And so they, he, they uh, Corbin's able to check in, so they go get on a plane. You get the aliens, who, are t- whoever survived from the explosion from Zorg's weapons, now they also want to go get the stones so that they can renegotiate because they know that Zorg wants them. And so they have two people go disguised as Corbin to get on a plane, but. Um, there's a scan and the lady immediately knows that he's a dangerous yeah,
0: that's, that's <laughs> dangerous no 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 that's bad
1: <laughs> and then also what oh, happened Zorg's right hand man goes to try to get um, the, the tickets and he gets sent away yeah. so there's a little bit of chaos in the airport uh, Lilu and David make it on a plane uh, the priest sneaks on a plane and then it was like when they noticed who David is they were like oh shit uh, we need you on Ruby Rod show, and this is when we finally fucking meet in person because we've seen him on a on a on a commercial. We finally meet Ruby Rod in person, and it was just like everything you fucking wanted. <laughs> this fucking Tucker is hamming his fucking up, so it's just like this. Yeah. He's walking him through the plane because he has like, which is interesting now because we have so many influences and like shit like that um, on social media, and that's basically what Ruby Rod was. He had like mm-hmm. this live show where he's um he's like kind of commentating on everything that's going on. Um, and it was just like, it was, like I said, it was so funny. It was like, you have Ruby Rod high energy and fucking Corbin is just like, every time he goes to him, it's just one word answers. Yeah. <laughs> like the fuck?
0: Come on, give me yeah. something. Uh, um, he's like, uh, high.
1: <laughs> and so everybody's on a, everybody's on the. Uh, so you have the priest, Lilu, and, uh, Corbin on the plane headed to, um, Headed to Floss in Paradise, Leela has finally learned English, so she can they can talk to one another. Um, so they they had they're headed out. Uh, Zorg's right hand man calls him and says that he couldn't make it on the plane because he doesn't know what happened. And this is where he, once again after seeing Zorg almost die getting choked out, is he goes back to his sadistic style and he just blows up the the uh, the phone booth that his uh, his yeah. man was. In.
0: So with that just like two things with it. So yeah, so like this is what I was talking about that editing of like the right you have Ruby Rod who has seduced one of the flight attendants, so he's oh, like yeah, 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 yeah. And doing all of this. And then you have the flight the uh, your ship itself getting ready to launch and then you have uh Zorg's henchman talking on the phone booth. So you mm. have, like, these three things happening, and, like, so, the three explosions. You have the explosion of the woman orgasming, you have the explosion of the ship taking off with the thrusters, and you have the explosion of the phone booth, which is just so cool how it's yeah. all interspersed. Because it's very seamless, in. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then also, with that, too, just the fact that Zorg mm. literally is able to blow up any fucking phone booth <laughs> in the entire city. This, this man is, owns the city. And he's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I can just blow up anything I want with the press of a button. That's terrifying. <laughs>
1: yeah. So as they're on their way to Fluss and Paradise, we, we jump back to the entity. And they notice that the, uh, the president and his men notice that it's sending out radio signals. And it's sending, it sends out a call to Zorg. And now we find out that Zorg is working with, he calls him Mr. Shadow. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's like, you know, the Zorg is like, you know, the price has gone up. But I'll I'll deliver the stone to you. I'll go get them myself. And all the while he's having this conversation, you notice that there's like a, a thick trickle of blood going down his um down his face because he's in contact with Mister Shadow. And I think that was terrifying too. It was, it was I think there's always that thing in movies where it's just like there's the henchman that you think is the bad guy, but there's always one guy above him. That's it's yeah. the dark side to the um what's his name from um Justice League or whatever. Oh, Darkseid
0: or whatever. Yeah, Darkseid and then. Like, all the people underneath The dude with the mother
1: boxes what I can't remember. But it was, just like, um, yeah. Steppenwolf. But, yeah, it was just, like...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Dark but it was like,
1: well, there's always one above him. And so we get that. And now, once again, there's more urgency because we're running out of time. So now Zorg is also going to be on his way to Floss in Paradise to go deliver the stones to Mr. Shadow um, personally. Mm-hmm. So uh, we get to Floss in Paradise. And it's kind of quick. It was just, like... Uh, obviously this is a resort planet um within there's going to be an opera later that night uh, corbin checks into his room um and he finds out that he has uh tickets to, he has tickets to the show but he has to sit next to ruby which <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> is the last thing he wants to do um while he's doing that uh Leeloo goes and meets with the contact from the from and it happens to be the opera singer so one of her one of the people in her entourage uh, go to, uh, go to, goes to Lilu and says that, uh, thank you for coming. Um, the diva will give you the, what you came for after the show. Just wait here. And so Leeloo's going to wait outside um, until the show's over. The show happens, and it's great. And I think it, it goes back to what you were saying about the editing. Because, like, um, as uh, the diva is singing the song, it's an opera song, and then mixing a bit of, like, hip-hop elements, it was really cool. Uh, as she's singing, the uh, Mangalores come and uh, they go into the the diva's suite and kill her men. They're looking for the stones, and Lilu sees this and she's like, she feels this animosity because the the Mangalores was the one that who, who shot down the ship that she was in and killed all her people. And so this is where we get, once again, it was like, it was action. It was like bits of action, but not too much. And it was like, now you finally get the action. And so I fucking, Leeloo just goes in there and it was like, she, the soundtrack of her whooping ass is the Dina's performance. And it was just like, I guess I never noticed the editing, but it was just like, I guess I noticed it, but didn't know how to articulate it. But it was like, it was, you're right. It was, it was like, it was great to see, to see that like back and forth
0: how they're matching up the parts of the song like which like the opera has like this sad beat when like her people are getting killed and then it's mm-hmm. very sad and then when Lili goes and starts beating the fuck out of everybody it gets like more upbeat and more like up tempo while it's all going which is so cool and it actually that reminds me of my other piece of trivia bruce willis had never heard the diva the opera song before like, yeah, that, yeah. that scene was the first time of him hearing it so his oh, you reaction it? to it yeah, you can see it in his eyes and his face. Like his I, I
1: is- did notice that it was just like he was really taken away by the by the uh, actual performance. And to, I guess that's cool to know that that was not fake. That was like his actual reaction.
0: Yep, exactly. Which is really cool.
1: That's yeah. cool. Okay. So, yeah. So the um <clears throat> I think Lilu defeats the Manglors that were trying to steal the stones, but before she can take them for herself, Zork comes and um uh steals them from her. Yeah. Or whatever. And then at the same time, the one of the remaining uh, Mangalores that didn't get his ass kicked by Lilu goes to the other guys and says, "Oh, it was an ambush." So now the remaining Mangalores go and start shooting up the opera, and this is where you get like the 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 next um, action scene, which which was my favorite. So it's just like they start shooting everybody, gathering everybody in the lobby. Uh, since Ruby and um, Corbin were up front, they can kind of hide. Uh, the demon gets shot. And so, Corbin goes to try to, like, help her stop the bleeding, and the diva just says, you need to get the stones to to her, talking about Lelu. And she he says, but where are they? And he's like, the stones are in me. And so, like, he digs into her stomach where the bullet wound was, and, like, all four stones are, like, in her stomach. And, like, yeah. as he's... <laughs> this is why oh, I fucking love Chris Tucker. So... The whole time he's on on mic, right? <laughs> because he's doing he's his all shit. Hair. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking. He was like, "If anybody's out there, I'm in the first row. Come get me."
0: Like, <laughs> <When did laughs> hey, come man. Come. shut the fuck up.
1: <laughs> and then, like, so um, uh, they subdue one of the one of the uh, Mangalores that was trying to attack them. So, like, uh, Corbin just tells uh, Ruby Rose to hold this gun at his head, and if he moves, shoot him. Right. And so, like, uh, as he's pulling out the stones, I think he gets one of the last ones. And uh, Ruby Rogers gets nervous and shoots the guy in the head. And it's like, this is what I love. <laughs> this is what I love. Chris Tucker he goes, I'm so sorry. You think he's okay? He's
0: <laughs> so okay. Yeah. You, you think he's going to be okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's trying to, like, straighten up the bullet hole in his face. Like, <laughs> <him>.
1: <laughs> but then, yeah, so, yeah. So now, um, what's his name? Corbin has the has the stones. But the gunshot has alerted some of the other Mangalores to the front of the, the the, the opera house or whatever. So now Corbin needs to shoot his way out, and this is another dope ass like just yeah. uh, action scene. Like so, he shoots it like because and at the same time, because um, the the president and his his people are listening in on Ruby Rod's performance, they can hear exactly what uh, Corbin is doing. So he's like, kind of judging Corbin. Uh, as as to why they picked him, and he was like the guy. Uh, his, the general goes, "My man's perfect. He's gonna get out there, very discreet." And then the next thing you know, it's just bullets. We'll <laughs>
0: <Like, laughs> be able to calm everything down. Don't worry, it'll be fine. <laughs> and he's <they> just,
1: <laughs> he just was, this is such a cool day. So it was a scene where it was just like he um pretends to be a very fucking diehard. He pretends like he's uh he doesn't have any uh, like um he is unarmed or whatever to try to like. Yeah. Disarm the the uh, the Mangalores, and then like he makes a sign at Ruby or something like that. And this is what I love because once again, Ruby's like talking out loud because he's so used to talking to his audience. But it was like, I think he's I think he's trying to show me some <laughs> just oh, like Ruby. <laughs> <shut> up, <please. laughs> and so like uh, yeah, they find, like he's they shoot their way out. They like um, uh, uh, Corbin is able to subdue all of the Mangalores that are in the lobby that were holding the different people hostage. And then, like, um, but there's they there's a few Mangalors held up in like the captain's uh, quarters or something like that. They have a few people hostage, and um, Corbin goes, "It was like, oh, they're Mangalores They won't." And I think this is just a movie thing. We're just like, if you kill their general, they will they'll surrender. And so it was like, we need to figure out who's in charge. And one guy goes, "Bring somebody in to negotiate." He was like, "There goes the leader." And Corbin just walks in and immediately just shoots him in the head. (laughs) They all surrender. And uh, so, I'm sorry I'm running through stuff quick, but it was just like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, so now Corbin has the stones, he goes and retrieves Lilu because she was hiding in the vents again because uh, Zorg had come and like kind of shot her up. So he takes her to his skate pod and now they need to, I think he, he, he meets up with, uh, what's his name, with the priest at some point. Um, and yeah, well, now they Cornelius.
0: Cornelius was getting held hostage. Is something he yes. Goes? He's looking for Lelou. They're in Lelou's room now. Mm-hmm. Like going
1: to yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> this is another funny scene. So like they, in the, the diva suite, Zerg had left a bomb and like put it in for like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then like, so he needs to come back cause he realized whatever Casey stole didn't have the stones. And then, um, uh, Chris, uh, Ruby is like, uh, he looks at it, he was like, no, because if it was a bomb, the alarms would go off. All these hotels have bomb detectors, and uh, immediately the alarm goes off. He was like, shit. <laughs> so everybody needs to get, out, uh, get away. Uh, so uh, Corbin, uh, Ruby, and uh, uh, Lilu and the priest escape, and so does everybody else. I think Zerg comes back to try to stop the bomb from going off, and he's able to, like, right at the last second, but then the last remaining um, Mangalore like, restarts the bomb and then blows it up, so now all of your antagonists are dead, except for Mr. Shadow. Mm-hmm. And so then they go to the, the, they go to Egypt, they go to the temple, and they um they take the stones and Lilu and like, they place the stones where they need to be uh, in, the, in, the, um, in the temple, and then they place Lilu in the middle, the same way the hieroglyphs in the, in the beginning of the movie had shown. But they can't figure out, like, what do you do next? Like, we have everything here, what do you do next? And then I think uh, somebody breathed, it was a Ruby that breathed on the, um, one of the stones.
0: Yeah. David did. Yeah, David, David, David breathed up. on one of the stones, started, because they had no idea how to open the stones. Yeah. Like, the priest is like, so we need to open them, but he has no clue. Yeah. so now they need to fucking figure out how to open these stones. Yeah, so David breathes
1: like, on the stone yeah. that has the element for wind and a piece opens up, so now they know that they need to, each of the uh, stones needs to interfere with the element that it's representing yeah. in order to open and then so they open up each of them and now they need to figure out how to activate Lilu. Mm-hmm. And
0: of course and, like Mr. Shadow is like 30 seconds from impacting yeah. the earth now at this point in time Yeah
1: And um, Yeah, this is where you get David going to Lelou and saying that, like, cause she's like kind of.
0: Corbin, not David. Corbin, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's
1: because he said he called himself David Corbin Dallas or some shit like that. So it was fucking. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Corbin goes to Lelou trying to activate her power, and she's just kind of like she's tired, and she doesn't believe in humanity anymore because I think she's seen like war, and she's seen the, um, the atrocities that you know mankind has has done to the world. But he was like, "Yeah, there's bad things, but there's also, you know, there's also good things. You know, there's love <laughs> on some animation, and uh, <laughs> and then I think that finally activates uh, her powers, and she's able to um, become the weapon that she needs to to destroy Mister Shadow.
0: Yeah, well, it's because she's like, love. I wasn't built to love. No one loves me, but since Corbin loves her, mm-hmm. that's why. Yeah, the beam can now activate. Coming out. Yeah,
1: and so the day is saved. Um, I think they go back to... They fly back to somewhere or they're whatever. Back in New
0: York, Yeah, they're back in New York and then they get put in, like, that hyperbolic chamber again. To yeah, to heal. Because, don't remember, Lilu got shot, like, a billion times, like, you know, an hour <laughs> or two ago. So, you know, there's that going on. <laughs> but so they put them in the chamber together and what do two consenting adults do when they're put in a sexy chamber together? Well, who no. knows. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, so the president comes in, and the president's like, I want to congratulate them. I have a bunch of meetings. And the scientist is like, oh, they need some time. And then, yeah, then it zooms in, and you see them, like, making out, and that's, like, the end with, like, a pretty great score at the end. And that's the meeting. <laughs> cool. right, so let's talk any, like, specific likes or dislikes of the movie. So let's start with likes. Mike, anything that we didn't really uh, touch on while we were going through summary likewise?
1: No, I think we, we touched on everything I liked. Like I said, it was just a lot of fun. It's, um... It's one of the, I don't want to say the one of the few times, but I think they seamlessly married the different uh, genres. Like we said, it was action, it was sci-fi, it was adventure, it was comedy, and they did it so well. Um, I, stand standout performance for me, like I said, I think everybody was cast very well, but I think just Ruby Rod, uh, yes. <laughs> it was a, it was a bit annoying. It can be annoying to some people. but I just think it was it was just hilarious. It's it just uh, Chris Tucker. Um, but yeah, so I'll say the what I really liked was just. The comedy and how it fit, it didn't take away from anything. Because I think oftentimes, at least now, the way people write things, is like some heartfelt moments get um, ruined by the comedy because they, they don't want the audience to feel. But I think they were able to do heartfelt, they were able to do comedy, they were able to do action, uh, all, you know, seamlessly. So I really like that. And then just uh, Chris Tucker's performance as Ruby Rod, like one of the yeah. great sci-fi characters. <laughs> Um,
0: I mean, uh, Ruby Rod is so fucking good. And, yeah, I agree. Because, like, yeah, that was like a complaint about this movie, was like, Chris Tucker's Ruby Rod being annoying. But I think I think it goes very well with the movie. It provides a lot, because mm. if you didn't have like this comic relief character, it would be, like, very different kind of movie to sort of have that comic relief, but it doesn't take away. And, like, he's a Ruby Rod himself, like, the character is a joke, because he's a caricature of things. So mm-hmm. it's like, everything he's doing is like kind of extra over the top but it's a really fun way of having like this physical comedy in this movie without it trying to be anything but funny which was awesome um, so with also like something I liked and we touched on it a little bit but just like how you know just as it transitioned from scene to scene because like you have such a powerful scene with the diva and like the opera like it gave me chills like watching it again like an hour ago uh then you had to have um like lilu when she's watching the war when she finally looks up what war is and it yeah as you said it like shakes her belief in humanity very powerful scene and how it just kind of like hops from scene to scene and like emotion to emotion but in a way that doesn't give you whiplash and lets you just kind of like accept and absorb all of it for me obviously maybe for some it maybe it's too sporadic but for me i think it does it phenomenally of just like yeah meshing everything together um oh, also just like even other like small little things of like the very beginning there was one scene where it's like oh this person sounds like a freak and the scientist like i can't wait to meet him but because it's sci-fi like his eyes are green from like the um like blue light and everything on it it's just mm-hmm. so many little small things i think are just done very well uh, dislikes anything you didn't like about it think the only
1: thing i disliked was like the um Mr. Shadow i wish it was a more of a a looming threat i don't i don't know it was weird in the the i guess the villain didn't seem that threatening to me i, I in in a way right yeah. um cuz if you have this it's like how do you defeat Galactus right you know yeah. what i'm saying like it's not going to be with a fucking sky beam like this fucking marble yeah. but I think maybe if it was more, more of a some physical presence or something like that, I think that's why they represent the devil so often or something. Whatever it is, it was just like you put it in something that's more imposing, then it, it does bring that that threat to the or that you know that sense of urgency to the um, to the character. So I think I mean, Messy Shadow sounds like a dope ass name and all that stuff, but it was just I don't think the the villain itself was as terrifying to me as it could have been. But that's just a, once again a nitpick. So nothing, nothing.
0: Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, because we could say, like, he's almost, like, too grandiose, where it's, like, you know, such, like, a it's, it's almost, like, too big, where it kind of takes it out of context, almost. Yeah. You know? Like, he's just a planet coming, like, an asteroid coming to destroy the world. That's kind of what he is. But I agree. Um, other than that, dislikes for me, because I, I 100% hear, dislikes for me, uh, really, my only dislike of this movie would be of anyone who dislikes this movie, I think. It's probably <laughs> my main dislike. No, nah, I mean, I, I don't really have any dislikes. I think it's a great movie. Um, cool so now let's get uh just so mike your original review is a four and a half out of five after talking through everything do you stick the four and a half out of five yep four and a half yep yeah 100 yeah. percent. i'm sick with my five this is a great movie i love it uh but yeah so that is our show everybody thank you so much for listening if you'd like to reach out to us you can reach us at at two meddling kids on twitter and instagram and if you'd like to email us it's two meddling kids at gmail.com mike how can they reach you
1: at days from legendary on instagram
0: Excellent. If you'd like to reach me, you can find me at, at @edhunt77 on Twitter and Instagram, and hunt.comics uh, for all my comic Instagram stuff. But otherwise, we'll see you next week with a brand new movie, y'all. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.